Well, good morning, everyone. Team Africa is back alive and well. I took 12, I brought 12 back. You guys all right? We're a little tired, but we are blessed. I was having hard, such a hard time preparing the message because we feel like we lived a lifetime in nine days. So what in the world do I share? There's a 50 million stories I could share because God was so incredibly faithful. I have to tell you that we minister to thousands of people. And in truth, we have come back a different people. We are different. Everywhere you look on all our Facebooks, you'll see one word. Well, actually two words, but they're one word together. Life-changing. Life-changing. We don't have any other description except that. Life-changing. If you ask us to explain it, you've got to give us a couple hours. Because truly, truly, God did a great and mighty work. I have multiple stories within my sermon, but I'm going to share one outside of it because I just want to give you an illustration of how good God was. We had the opportunity to take with us 53 soccer balls. Jeremy carried them for us. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> There's no small feat. If you ever seen me pack, I got them all in one suitcase, but it's a heavy suitcase. But we got the opportunity to give them to orphanages all over Rwanda and Uganda. And I learned very quickly that they're not soccer balls. I kept telling the boys, do you want a soccer ball? And they would look at me. I said, oh, you want, do, you have, do you want a football? They went, yes, football is different. And so we got a chance to bless many, many children with it. One particular time, we were driving through a town, and we went to a place called the Widow's Village in Rwanda. And the Widow's Village is just that. It's a village full of widows. Their husbands have either, either died of AIDS or died in the genocide or died of multiple other things, or the husbands have just left. And it's an entire village of widows and their children. Hundreds of children. And so the children are playing football all day outside. But their football is a bunch of paper that they've gathered together in a ball. They've wrapped it up with some rope, and that's their football. So I turned to the team and said, you want to do something really cool? We stop the van. We get out of the van. We tell the kids, can we have your football? Kids look at us for a second like these crazy Americans are trying to So we have your ball. So they give it to us, and then we say, close your eyes. And they close their eyes. And we go grab one of my beautiful Adidas leather footballs, and we toss it to them. They were in heaven. They were beaming. Each boy tried to claim it as their own. So I had to find the head of the village and say, listen, <laughs> It belongs to the community. It's now their community football. And you say, what does that have to do with the gospel? Everything. Everything. You know why? Because God takes our junk and he gives us so much more. It was a beautiful illustration of the gospel to these children. We got a chance to go to a city where they had somewhere between 2,700 children in this school, many of them orphans. And we got to bless them with 20 soccer balls. And if you think that many orphans couldn't play with 20 soccer balls, you would be wrong. They can. 60 on one ball. <laughs> but it was great. It was awesome time to see God redeem even something as simple as a football in the midst of children. Do you know that he cares about the little things? He cares about the little things. We think God only cares about the big. He cares about a little orphan's child's football. You better believe he does. 
And so we got a chance to see multiple, multiple pieces like that. And I'm going to share many of them within the sermon today. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of taste of some of the redemptive work that God did while Team Africa was on the ground. I'm going to pray this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to share your word this morning. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the testimonies, Lord God, that we got to see with our own eyes. God, Father, I feel inadequate to bring across all that you did, Lord God. But I pray today that you would speak through me, Lord God, that your word would speak, Lord God. I pray that you'd hide me behind your cross and that you'd use me this morning, Lord God, to speak a word in season to this house, Lord God. I feel you put a prophetic message in my heart this morning, Lord God. May we have ears to hear and hearts to understand, Lord God. Father, I pray for Team Mexico that's landed on the ground, Lord God, that's going to start work today. I pray a supernatural covering over them in the name of Jesus. I speak divine health over them in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord God, that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper, Lord God. I thank you that they will walk with favor. They will walk with grace. They will walk with anointing. They will walk with power, Lord God. And they will return to this house safely and testifying of your goodness, Lord God. Guard them, we pray, God. And now, Father, take these few moments that we have together, kiss it from heaven, Lord God, and use it, God, to make us the people that you've called us to be. Come have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Open up your Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. And as you do that, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on our story this morning. A little before this, before our chapter today, God uses Moses to rescue the people of Israel from the hands of Pharaoh. They are enslaved in Egypt, and Pharaoh is very cruel to them, and God uses Moses to rescue them. And he promises them a land flowing with milk and honey, rich, beautiful land. And so they begin to travel. Millions of people begin to travel towards this land. And they reach the land really quickly. But when they get there, there's some unexpected surprises. There's some giants and some things that God didn't tell them about. And so they bail. And they decide that they're going to find another way into the promised land. Well, that other way took them 40 years. Our story takes place right in the midst of those 40 years. And now for the next 40 years, they're wandering, trying to find another entryway into the promised land that they already made it to. And God, because he's merciful, begins to lead them. He brings a cloud by day to lead them, and he brings a pillar of fire by night to lead them. And so when the cloud is moving, the people move. When the cloud stops, they all pitch their tent and stop. At night, if the fire moves, they move. If the fire stops, they stop. And he's leading them the entire way. And now Moses is with his people. And when the cloud stops... Moses pitches his tent, but the Bible says he pitches his tent outside of the camp of the people. He pitches it a little further. With a million people complaining to him, can anybody blame the man? He pitches his tent further out. And very quickly, that tent becomes to be known as the tabernacle of Moses. In other words, the tent of meetings. And in the midst of that tabernacle, that tent, was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a picture of the presence of the Lord. And that's where Moses stayed. And the cloud of God would descend right over his tent. That's where our story takes place today. Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 7. It said, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, 
and called it the tabernacle of meetings. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of meetings, which was outside the, tent, outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people arose and every man stood at the tent door, at their tent door, and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked to Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people arose and worshiped each man in his tent. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man would speak to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not yet let me know whom I will send with me. Yet you have said to me, I know your name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I might know you, and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And God said to him, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with me, do not bring us up from this place. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. And so the Lord said to him, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I have known your name. And so the scripture says that Moses pitches his tent outside, and that is called the tabernacle of Moses. And every time he goes into the tabernacle, all the people step out of their tent and watch him. They watch him. He goes into the tent, and God comes and meets with Moses face to face and speaks to him like a friend. He gets instruction from God that way. And then in the midst of this, he's having a dialogue with God. And he says to God, God, you've told me to take these people, but you haven't told me where you're sending me. You haven't told me who's coming with me. And if I found favor in your eyes, God, show me your way. And God said, Moses, don't worry. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to send my presence. And Moses makes a statement. He said, God, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. Because only if your presence goes with me will the people know that we are your people and that we're separate and set aside. If your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. And you look at the story and you say, why in the world would she choose this story? It's not this amazing miracle that happens. It's not this unbelievable illustration. But I do believe something this morning. I do believe that in these verses there are keys to the church of Jesus Christ. I believe this morning this is a prophetic hour for the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. I believe this morning that we're in a prophetic hour for the body of Christ. And I believe that the Lord is looking to change what the church looks like. And I believe truly in the midst of this story, there are key principles to changing the body of Christ into becoming what she's been called to be. I think it's very interesting that Moses chooses to pitch his tent outside. I think Moses understood very clearly that he needed to get away to be able to hear God. He could not be in the midst of the people if he was going to hear God. And I want you to understand something this morning. 
Everything in the Old Testament was for our learning. They're not just nice stories that we can read. We're to look at them, we're to chew from them, and we're to learn from them. And I want to tell you something else this morning. The tent of meetings did not expire with Moses. It started with Moses, but it didn't expire with Moses. The New Testament talks about the tent of meetings. And the modern-day tent of meetings dwells within the heart and life of every believer that's being sanctified into the image of Jesus. It is that place where the child of God comes and meets with God as changed by his power. And that exists in the New Testament church. I think it's unbelievably interesting that every person gets out of their tent when Moses enters the tabernacle and stands and watches him. You see, you have to understand something. These are not the most godly people. Read a couple of chapters earlier in Exodus. They're building golden calves. They're selling their gold to idols. And yet still in their ungodly behavior, they knew enough to know he's going to meet God. He's going to sit with God. He's going to get instruction from God. And he's going to begin to lead us from that instruction. And they were ready. And I truly believe that for years the world has been watching the church. The world has been standing at the door watching the church. There's no difference today. It's not that the world has ceased to watch the church. It's that the church has ceased to go into the tent of meetings. The world is still looking. We've just stopped going into the tent of meetings. We're too busy being in the midst of the crowd. We haven't pitched our tent far enough. We've pitched our tent right in the midst of the people. And the church of Jesus Christ today is distracted, confused, and out of sync with God. We're all over the place. And instead of us leading the way, we're now following the way. You see, we, we as the church of Jesus Christ have been given the gift of influence. But influence has a double-edged sword. We can either use it for his glory, or we can use it incorrectly. And because the church has been afraid of being perceived the wrong way, we haven't used it at all. We've taken our gift of influence, and we've sat on it. We've sat on it. We've been afraid. We've been afraid to make the line in the sand about many things. We don't have to worry about it anymore. The world made the line for us. We didn't want to do it. They did it. They made the line for us. But in the process of us not using our influence, we've begun to lose our influence. And instead of the church setting the tone, because we were supposed to set the tone, we've begun to follow the tone. We've begun to follow the tone. We are distracted people. And we're missing the mark that we are not supposed to be in the midst of the people. We're supposed to be in the tent of meetings. We're supposed to be in the presence of the Lord. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. But we've gotten confused. We keep getting tripped up in things that we shouldn't get tripped up in. Let me set some precedent for us this morning. We don't have to figure out 
the transgender agenda. We don't have to figure out the homosexual agenda. We don't have to figure out the premarital sex agenda. We don't have to figure out the pornography agenda. They're all in one category, church. It's a sin agenda. They all sit in the same place. We got to stop getting ourselves tripped up in a million different things. They're one thing. We don't have to figure out a new stance. It's the same stance. It's the same place. But we're getting tripped up. They got our heads spinning. And we're not leading anymore. We're following. And we've been given the gift of influence to lead, not follow. But we've allowed the world to give us the lead. And we run right behind it. We're watching men of God, who've been preachers for years, begin to say things that are insane. In the past two months alone, I've heard men that I... I've heard them preach before, pretty solid in the past. All of a sudden saying things like, we can no longer ascribe to a 2,000-year-old book. We have to be relevant. Let me tell you something about this 2,000-year-old book. This is our breath and our life and our being. This is the rock by which we stand on. This is how we live. This is how we move. And I'm going to live and die by this book. I'm not interested in being relevant. I'm interested in being godly. I'm not interested in the world's approval. I'm interested in my father's approval. And this is where we need to stand. I want you to hear me today with a prophetic ear. The days of the solid preaching of the word of God are going to become rarer and rarer. The days of the authentic preaching of the word of God are going to become rarer and rarer. We're going to begin to hear more and more an itchy ear gospel. More and more. A compromised word. A little bit of the word of God and a whole lot of compromise. And it's going to come more and more and more and more. Because there's a deception that's coming over the people of God. You know why? Because they're living in the crowd and not in the tent of meetings. Because they're living in the midst of the people, but they're not standing face to face with God. And I want to tell you something about this word. The cloud of God has not moved away from this word. And as long as the cloud is over this word, we're over this word. And as long as God's hand is on your life, that's where you stand. You don't shift from it. You don't move from it. You see, the church of Jesus Christ was meant to be the hope of the world. Let me tell you something real clear. The world is sick and it's dying. It's dying. The world has no hope. The only hope of the world is the body of Christ. Hear me. The only hope of the world is the body of Christ. And if the body of Christ is lost, what then? If the body of Christ is confused and distracted, what then? We are the hope. Why? Because we have the hope. We're the hope. We keep expecting the world to come to God. They're not going to come to God. They're standing at their door watching us. We keep expecting them to turn to the tent of meetings. They're not going. And by the way, God didn't require that. He didn't say, if people pray. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. And if the people of God would begin to get into the tent of meetings and begin to seek the face of God, you know what would happen automatically? They would start coming. 
because they would see a difference. We wouldn't have to push the gospel on anybody. They would see it. They would see it. When we were away on our trip to Africa, we had a beautiful young girl that was on the team. She was from a different place. And uh, she was a school teacher and she was hanging out with us for the time and, and, and she didn't know the Lord. God had dealt with her a little bit, but she hadn't given her life to the Lord. And all, all we did was let her hang out with us. She started working with us. We started loving on her. She started asking some questions. We started answering her questions. Then all of a sudden she was like, hey, can I do your VBS with you guys? Like, absolutely. Did our VBS with us. The night before she leaves, we do devotions every night and her flight was four in the morning. So I said to her, we're gonna, the team is gonna pray for you and then we're gonna let you go so that you can get some sleep. She goes, I can't stay for devotions? I said, of course you can stay for devotions, but your flight is four in the morning. She goes, but I wanna stay. That girl has changed. That girl's changed. God has met her. She's part of our family. We call her family. What happened? The church was acting like the church. The church, when the church acts like the church, you don't have to force anything. It attracts because they're standing at the door watching. They're looking. But if we're not going into the tent of meetings, there's nothing to look at. There's nothing to watch. If we're not sitting in the presence of Jesus, there's nothing for them to emulate. But when we are, we look different, we act different. We live different. We got a chance in, on our trip to see what the church looks like when the church itself is sick. We were in Rwanda, and Rwanda has been stricken by a genocide that's 20, happened 20 years ago. And it's one of the worst genocides in the history of man. In the course of 100 days, listen, in the course of 100 days, almost 2 million people were killed. See, we were far away. We didn't, we didn't connect with it. Maybe we read about it, but it was over there somewhere. But in the course of 100 days, almost 2 million people were killed. They're still finding bodies today, 20 years later. It was ravished, destroyed, all because people look different from one another. There's no other reason. People's noses were different. That was it. That was the marker. And so the ones that were in power turned on the ones that weren't in power. And all of a sudden, husbands were killing wives. Grandparents were killing their children. Children were Everyone turned on one another. A whole nation turned on its head. And we got to meet a young man named Justin. He was our, our national on the ground in, in Rwanda. And both his parents were killed in the genocide. He was an orphan his whole life because of it. We saw hundreds of stories that way. Some people couldn't even talk to us about it because it was so fresh in their heart. And the piece that struck me, because we got to sit in the museum and talk to the people, that struck me personally was that the church was in the center of the genocide. They said, oh, well, they were helping. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. The church was behind a nice portion of the genocide. The first two people tried for crimes against the city of Rwanda, the country of Rwanda, were two Christians who had killed many people. They had pastors that had deceived their entire congregation as they come into the building, we'll protect you here. And then set fire to it and killed all the people. 
We stayed in a hotel, and right across the street from the hotel was a church where the pastor killed 2,000 people. You see, the church has influence, but we can use it wrong. And this man had influence, but because he was mixed up and confused, evil got a hold of him. And instead of being in the tent of meetings where God could speak to him, he was somewhere else. And he lost his way. And in the process, he disgraced the name of Jesus. And he killed thousands of people. And you say, so how does a nation recover from something like this? It's easy. They turn back to Jesus. And we saw people who had given their lives back to Jesus. We saw whole cities that we were told about that were called cities of reconciliation where someone who had killed multiple people would come and repent to these people and begin to raise the children of the parents that he killed. Begin to give money, begin to do whatever he could to try and make up for what happened. We saw villages, that villages of forgiveness they were called, that were all over the community of people trying to rebuild their lives from what happened. And Jesus was at the center because they're making sure that this will never happen again. And in the midst, the church has become the church. And they've begun to lead properly in the midst of this. See, let me tell you something. It is not about the church of Africa or the church of America. We're one body. We're one body. We're one church. And we have been given a gift of influence as one church, as one body. You know, we get confused. We think the church has been called to be an organization. The church has been called to be an organism. Alive, breathing, producing life everywhere that it goes. It's been called to be an agent of God moving forward under the power and the leading of his Holy Spirit. We're supposed to have the touch of God on our life. We're supposed to be led of his spirit. And we're supposed to be about our father's business and nobody else's. That's what the body of Christ looks like. And if we move forward that way, the world will follow. You know, we got to see when we flipped over to Uganda, something a little different. You see, Moses makes a real clear statement to God, and I love his statement. He says, God, who's going to know? How am I going to know where I'm going or who you're sending with me? He says, don't worry. My presence is going to go with you. And he says, Lord, if your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. So that's a simple statement. Let me tell you something about that statement. That statement should be the mantra of our life. If your spirit doesn't go before me, guess what, God? I'm not going. I'm not going. See, the church of Jesus Christ has operated independent of Jesus Christ for a long time. We make a lot of decisions on our own to hope that he blesses them. We've become real confident in our own decision-making. And we've ceased to look for the cloud. We've ceased to look for the fire. And I'm not trying to beat us up this morning. I want to wake us up this morning. That we need to begin to look for the cloud and the fire again. We, be, we need to begin to say, Lord, are you leading? And if you're not leading, I'm not going. If you're not walking ahead, God, I'm not in it. And see, when we begin to live like that, life looks a little different. Life looks a little different. But if we allow him to lead us completely, we will look like the body of Christ. What does that look like? When we're in Uganda, we go to a city called Kampala. And Kampala has one of the poorest slums I've ever seen in my life. You have never seen poverty like this. 
And so they ask us, do you want to do a, a VBS in the middle of this, of this place? And I sense the Lord. I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. He goes, and by the way, the area that you're going to be in is riddled with witchcraft. There's witchcraft all over the place. They pray against the church all the time. Now, if you know me for more than five minutes, that kind of stuff really excites me. Makes me really happy. So I'm like, really? That's awesome. So they're like, Pastor, you have some very strange responses. I said, I know. But that stuff excites me because I, that means we're going to shake up the kingdom of hell, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And so I sent out an SOS on my Facebook. I say, listen, we need some prayer coverage. Tomorrow we're doing a VBS in an area that's riddled with witchcraft. And so we get there, and I have to tell you, church, I felt an umbrella over us. It was powerful. So we get there, and they say, you know, maybe 100 kids, 200 kids. We had 300 kids. And on top of that, we had about 60 adults, 60 adults that stayed, 50, 60 adults that stayed, all from the community, all unchurched people. And so we do a vacation Bible school Africa style. Africa style. No mics, scream at the top of your lungs, kind of, kind of VBS. We start splitting up classes. Everyone's like, age. I said, ages, no ages, just take children. Go, go. So one class had 78 kids. One class had 82 kids. One, and we start doing, and we have to do it through translators. Can I tell you that this team was a team of rock stars? They were amazing in the midst of no supplies, burning sun. God showed up. It was amazing. And so we do, amen. Pastor Kerry led that team, that VBS. She was amazing doing it. We had a great time. We have at the end, we give a salvation call. Children all raising their hand to accept Jesus for the first time. Maria got to teach the adult class. And as she's teaching, she gives the salvation call. 30 people accepted the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time. She begins to pray for them. And they begin to renounce witchcraft. They begin to renounce how they've lived before in the past. There's a man there that's there, and he, he's in uh, excruciating pain in his back. She prays for healing. He waits for her till the end to show her that he can now touch his toes, and he has no pain in his body. We see the kingdom of God advancing. You know why? Because the cloud was there. His presence was there. And so we get in the van. We're driving home. In the middle of the night, one of our team members gets really sick. So we're trying to nurse him. We're trying to take care of him. The team goes in to eat lunch, and we're taking care of, of the young man that's in the van with us. And the Lord says to me, go rebuke the spirit of witchcraft off of him. So I go in the van. I begin to rebuke the spirit of witchcraft. The same moment the team is eating lunch, and someone says, hey, we need to rebuke the spirit of witchcraft. It's okay. God's spoken twice. We begin to pray. And within about an hour and a half, that young man began to look very different. Within three hours, you wouldn't have known he was sick. He looked perfect. The Lord touched him and healed him completely. Let me tell you something, church. When the church is being the church, when the church is running on all cylinders and you're living in the tent of meetings and you're waiting for the cloud, everything begins to happen. Healing begins to happen. Deliverance begins to happen. Salvation begins to happen. Why? Because the church is being the church, and God will always equip us when we're being who we're supposed to be. He'll always anoint it. He'll always walk with you. 
But when we got our heads spinning in a multiple of different directions, we can never be the church. We can never lead. But when we're in the right place, living in the tent of meeting, being the people of God, walking with God the way we're supposed to, sitting with him face to face, allowing him to speak as a friend would speak to a friend. We come out of that place and we're filled with courage, we're filled with strength, we're filled with love, we're filled with understanding, we're filled with discernment, and we are ready at that point to be the body of Christ, living, breathing, empowered body of Christ. And my challenge today is Jesus prayed, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know how that happens? It happens through us. It happens through the people of God. How is anyone going to see the kingdom? The kingdom walks with his people. They're going to see the kingdom through our lives. But if our lives don't reflect the kingdom, where in the world are they going to see it? So I want to give you three things today, real quick. I want you to put in your heart, and they're, they're easy. The first one, make the tent of meetings your habitation. Make it your habitation. That place alone with God is not an option. It's not a weekly event. It is a minute-by-minute event. That place with God, of communing with God, and talking with God, and being face-to-face with God, that is a habitation. That is where we, as the people of God, need to live on a regular basis. We need to be in his presence. Church, get out of the crowd. Stop being distracted. Stop being out of sync with God. Get in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get in the midst of his spirit and allow him to begin to speak to you like a man would speak to his friend. The second piece, the second piece. Only be led by his presence. Only be led by his presence. We met a woman in Uganda. Her name was Mama Eva. You guys remember Mama Eva? Amazing Mama Eva. She was power. amazing woman of God. She runs a place called Destiny Village. Somewhere like 2,000 children, most of them orphans. She also runs a rescue hospital for about 60 babies. They're called the throwaway children. Nobody wanted them. Mama Eva wanted them. And she's raising them. She's also the pastor of the church that I got the honor of preaching in and the team got a chance to minister in. And Mama Eva and her husband started this work about three, four years ago with a handful of children. Well, now they're almost at 2,000 children. She runs a school. She runs a boarding home. She runs, she's trying to build a vocational center so they have a training that they can go to. She's provided a nursery for these children that nobody wants. She has a full staff of people. And her husband started this vision together. Well, within a year of starting it or two years of starting it, her husband was tragically killed in a car accident. And Mama Eva's doing the work by herself. So I got a chance to minister to her on my own. And I said, I said, Mama Eva, this is a huge work that you're doing, massive. I said, how did you find the strength to keep doing it after your husband died? And she looked at me, she goes, Pastor, there was no option. I said, what do you mean? She goes, the Lord told me to do it. He didn't change the plan. Something got thrown in the plan that I wasn't expecting and it's heartbreaking, but God didn't change the plan. You know what she was saying? The cloud hasn't moved. That's what she was saying. The cloud descended and said, do this work. And until the clouds move, Mama Eve is in. And she's invested in until God moves the cloud for her to go to the next thing. 
Just because the circumstance around it changed doesn't mean the cloud moved. And we as the people of God need to learn to live that way. When God speaks, we do it. We do it until he changes the direction. Not until we get tired, not until we get frustrated, not until we're not happy anymore, until he changes the direction. We belong to him. And that's how we have to begin to live on a daily basis. Follow the cloud and only the cloud. The last piece, bring the kingdom everywhere that you go. Bring the kingdom everywhere that you go. What does that look like? Well, we had dinner just about every night in this place called the Java Cafe. James has memorized the menu, right, James? <laughs> just about every night we'd go to this one place for dinner. And we got to minister to the, to the young people that were serving us. We got to joke with them. We got to speak with them. They wanted to hear the stories of what happened in the day. And they would serve us so beautifully and so wonderfully. So the last night, they came over with a big slice of cake because we actually needed more cake. We had so much cake. But they brought us this piece of cake and said, thank you on it, thanking us for coming in. And they said, the only way we can thank you is really to pray for you guys. Can we pray for you guys? And the whole restaurant stopped. And all the waiters and waitresses kneeled right in front of us, right in the middle. The owner came out and was like, oh, I, we're having prayer, okay. <laughs> and he joined us for prayer. And we spent the next 15 minutes praying for this establishment, praying for these young people. Everyone was standing around watching in the restaurant. You know what happened? The kingdom walked in. The kingdom of God walked in. And see, it doesn't matter if we're in a restaurant or a school or anywhere that we are. Where the people of God go, the kingdom of God goes with us. Where his children, where his hands, where his heart, and where we move, he moves with us. Don't be afraid to bring the kingdom. Be bold. We got to speak destiny over these kids. We got to speak life over them. I came home. Pastor Nancy picked me up from the airport. I came home, and I said, you know what? Let me get something to eat before I go to sleep because I'm going to sleep for about six days. And we went to the restaurant, and as always, they got my order wrong, so we get the owner over. I'm like, you know what, you know, forget about the order. I'm, I really don't need, I, there's four of you. I can't even see, so forget about it, you know. And I began to tell her where I was and what I had been doing, and I started showing her pictures. And she got very emotional. She said, you know, I've, I've, I've been a bum all day. I'm complaining about my ankle, my head hurts, and look at these people. And I said to her, you know what? I said, but the Lord cares about your ankle, and the Lord cares about your head. And this was a divine moment. God wanted to just remind you that he loved you. And she was visibly moved. She said, I have to hug you. Is that okay? I said, sure. You know what happened in that moment? See, it happened in Uganda, but it happened in Clark too. Because the kingdom is there. It has nothing to do with where you are or mission trip. It has to do with who you are and who you're walking with. And child of God, you have the ability, if you will learn to lead and sit in the tent of meetings, to bring the kingdom of heaven with you everywhere that you go. The question this morning, the question this morning is very simple. Is the tent of meeting your habitation? And if it's not, today will you make that shift? Say, I'm tired of being in the crowd. I won't be distracted anymore. I want to be in the midst of the presence of the Lord, allowing him to speak to me, minister to me, and to change me. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Would you close your eyes this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah. Would you just lift your hands with me for a moment? Let's just begin to press, even right now. You know, the tent of meetings is among the people of God. So right now as we lift our hands, we're stepping into the tent of meetings, saying, Lord, I'm here to meet with you. I'm here to be changed by you today, Lord God. I'm not interested, Lord, in being in the midst of the crowd and being distracted and confused. I recognize that the hope of the world is the church of Jesus Christ. We can't be lost. We don't have time to be lost or be distracted. We have to be in the midst of the presence of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Father, I pray this morning for everyone within the sound of my voice today, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would begin to stir new life in the midst of this place today, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that there would be an awakening of your spirit in this house today, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that we would cease to be professional Christians, Lord God. And we would begin to have life flowing in us and out of us, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that we would learn what it is to be led by your presence, Lord God. And if, if your presence doesn't go before us, we simply don't go, God. We pray today, God, that you would begin to shake, Lord God, everything that's in us, God. So we'd be a people today, Lord God, that are alive unto you. Father, we repent, Lord God. We've been distracted, Lord God. We've been caught up in a million different things, Lord God. And we have forgotten that the only place we belong is in your tabernacle, Lord God. Talking to you, being with you, Lord God. Getting our instruction from you, Lord. Being led of your spirit, Lord God. We've allowed ourselves to become followers and not leaders, Lord God. Today, Lord God, mark this body, God. Mark us today that we would begin to lead the way, Lord God. We would begin to set the tone, Lord God, and cease to follow anymore, Lord God. Help us not to be afraid to use the influence that you've given us as your body this morning, but help us to use it wisely for your glory, Lord God. Remind us that the world is standing by their tent watching. They're watching. What is the church going to do? And may they find us in the presence of Jesus. May they see your mark on us, Lord God. May it be like they said of Peter, that he was unschooled and uneducated, but they knew that he had been with Jesus. Let that be our mark this morning, Lord God. That there's nothing special about us, Lord God, except that we've been in the presence of Jesus. 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 So today I'm, I'm going to open up the altars for us to pray. And Pastor Brian's going to lead us in some worship this morning. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and meet you at this altar this morning. Today, if your prayer is very, it's very simple. I just want more of Jesus. I don't want to be a professional Christian. I just want more of Jesus. I want revival in my own heart this morning. There are pieces of me that are dead and dry. And maybe that's not even it. Maybe you're good, but you just want more. I want you to come and meet me at this altar this morning. And allow God to meet you. You can start coming right now. Say, Lord, I want you to meet me this morning. I want more of you this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Spirit, you are welcome in this place today. And Lord, we're not just speaking of this building today. You are most certainly welcome in this building this morning. But you're also welcome in the building of our heart this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome to have your way in our lives this morning. We want to be a yielded people to who you are this morning. Father, we want to cease to follow and begin to lead, Lord God. Father, we want to act like the way you've called us to be, Lord God. Father, we don't want to be an organization anymore. We want to be an organism, Lord God, filled with life, Lord God, filled with life, Lord Jesus. Father, we recognize that the world is lost and sick. And the answer to the world, the hope for the world is the church of Jesus Christ. And Father, we want to be your church this morning. We want to be led of your spirit. We want to be a people that live in the tent of meetings, God. We want to live face to face with you, God, in your counsel, in your presence. Father, forgive us for being distracted, Lord God. Forgive us for being out of sync this morning, Lord God. Align us with who you are this morning. Let the cry of our heart from this day forward to be more of Jesus. Let that be our prayer today, Lord God. Let that be how we live, Lord God. Simply more of Jesus every single day, God more of you every single day, Jesus. And let the words of Moses be our words. Unless you go before us, we're not going to go. Unless you lead us, unless we see the cloud, unless we see the fire, we're not moving, God. But if your presence goes before us, we will run in obedience, Lord God. Help us this morning. Help us to bring your kingdom with us everywhere that we go, Lord God. Whether it's a restaurant, Lord God, or our workplace, Lord God. May your kingdom come, Lord God. May your anointing be so evident in our life, Lord God, that all those that are standing at the doorway looking would run themselves into the tent of meetings, Lord God. Because they'll say there's something different. They don't talk about God, they know Him. They don't speak about stories, they live those stories. Would you mark us this morning, Lord God? May today be a visible move in our life, Lord God. May we never be the same again from this point forward, Lord God. I declare it over us today in the name of Jesus that we will cease to be a distracted people and that we will no longer follow the tone, Lord God. From this point forward, we're going to set the tone, God, 
by the leading of your spirit. We give you all things this morning. We seal all that you've done this morning by your spirit. And we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are welcome to stay at the altars if you want to pray. Please don't feel rushed out.